so I think to me, I can't even tell you what the Kardashians names are like for the kids. <laughs> I mean, it's probably, a good I don't thing. even know all the sisters names, but like, and I'm not saying that to be funny or cool. Like I'm just saying it was never something I was interested in. So they have absolutely no influence on what I do in my life. That's a positive. But if you're like my mom who likes reality TV. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that bitch buy things just because the Kardashian had it. <laughs> Recording by the way. <laughs> That's a, yeah, I just started a little bit ago. Sorry. So we were talking about, and I I think this is a positive reflection on you, by the way. No. So we were I'm talking. I'm so sorry for any listeners for um the bad words. No. Mom, it's okay that you like the Kardashians. Matt and I swear all the time. No. So what we were talking about was I'd mentioned that I find it really interesting how the role models usually influence a generation. And so I was telling, I was talking about how there was a real estate magnate in the 80s and 90s when he got super famous. And he's, re he's recently passed away, I don't need to name him. Um, and so all his role models, whenever he was growing up, he pointed out all worked in commercial real estate. That's what they did. They bought and sold commercial buildings and they managed it, that's what they did. So he said, look, these are the folks that are doing the stuff that is allowing them to live this crazy ass life that I want to live. So I'm just going to do what they're doing. And my question was, what the heck are we looking up to? And Chelsea, you had an awesome point. You were like, hey, they didn't have social media back then. So if someone had influence, it was real true influence. It wasn't like manufactured. I think that was sort of how I thought about it. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, everything now influence wise is marketed towards that specific person group, niche, whatever you want to call it. So I think it's just, it's like, de it's, it's almost decentralized sort of control now because the media still runs it, but now it's social media, if that makes sense. It's like you have more control. You don't have to sell to one of the big TV sources. You just, you create your own outlet. There are a lot of channels now where you can find your interest in, whether it's you're going on Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And every single one has a different niche that you're going to find people influencing. If you go on Reddit, you're going to find a little bit more interesting people. Oh, yeah. If you go on Instagram, you're going to find the more maybe health focused, the more fashion focused. If you go on Twitter, you're going to find more humor focused. It's your niche. It's your channel. And that's where your influence is going to come from. Not really the people. Well, there's a community for everything. I found communities for like the weirdest stuff. Like, have you ever seen the nuclear bros? I haven't seen it. I think I've heard of it. They're crazy. It's just like this community of people online that are 100% like we should train, like there should be no renewable energy. There should be no fossil fuels. Everything should just be nuclear all the time. And so most people look at that and they're like, all right, well, any kind of extremist is a bad thing. Maybe we should kind of like figure out a way to do all this. And they're just, they're so against it. They're like, no, we're, we're, we're too far gone. We have to, we have to go, we have to push the pendulum so far in the other direction that it fixes it. I mean, if you want to use that thought process where there's like a community for everything, you're not wrong. There's still the flat earth community. There is still the... <laughs> I love those uh, people. They're crazy. Like the one that we never... What's it called? We never came from monkeys. I can't remember what it is. I think I know there's what you're talking community. about. <clears throat> you know, there, of course there's a community for everything because as long as there's two followers, that's a whole community being built because they're going to bring their kids into it too. But anyways... <laughs> I think the really important thing you just have to keep in mind if you're like someone that's like, oh, I'm so e easily influenced is just acknowledge what's influencing you, whether it's social media, it's a specific person, blah, blah. And if you don't like it, 
you can unfollow and block. And I think that's a beautiful thing about social media. Well, we all like something. I mean, like you always, you always idolize something that you want to be like, no matter what, especially when you're a kid. Everyone does. I know you're making a face at me, but everyone has something that they're like, oh, I, I totally look up to this character. Like, I want to be like that thing. I think that is an opinion-based fact. Okay, it's, I don't think it's a fact at all. I think it's a total opinion, but it's just, it's one of those, like everyone has something where they're, they're cheering. They want to identify with something. Yeah. You what? Everyone's slightly influenced in their day-to-day -day life. So like, what's your favorite superhero? Oh man. Um, Marvel or DC? Anything. You can pick anything. Oh, that just ruined it. Okay. <laughs> if we're going to go with Marvel, um, probably Doctor Strange. Okay. What do you like about him? I like that the character is sarcastic. I like that he's serious. I do like that he goes dark in some certain universes because I think it's really interesting when the character is more gray than white and black. You know? You see. I like the creativeness that went behind making Doctor Strange because I did read most of the comics. Hey, you're a lot or Daredevil. It's either one. You're a lot deeper than I am. But, um, do you, yeah, do you, so I mean, like, do you see anything in that, in those characters where you're like, okay, I resonate with this piece of you because I relate it to me? No, not really. Really? I think everyone does have something. I mean, like, that's why we get, that's why people get obsessed with politicians. I think maybe it also just depends on, like, what you were raised around. Neither I one of my parents were people that would talk about famous people or celebrities anything like that your parent can so be maybe a superhero. I never picked it up yeah well think about how many people that end up becoming just like their parents it's the same thing it's like oh you see oh, this. exactly like my parents yeah. everyone says yeah you take a look and you're like all right this person this thing is what I, that's what i want to be like i'm seeing success that's what i want to be right yeah yeah yeah, it's the same thing. I think that's another thing. Maybe that's another thing. I've never seen celebrities as something to be, I don't know, to aspire to be because I very much like my privacy. So if it means that I'm going to have to be famous and lose my money or I'm sorry, lose my privacy for it, I never wanted that. I mean, I'm influenced by my family. Like there's a lot of my family focuses more on the woman being breadwinners. So I have followed that routine. It's a great thing. It's something interesting to think about because mm. I'm sure maybe my mom picked it up from, I don't know, Cher or something. There you go. But I can honestly say, and this happens to me when people tell me, what's your favorite actor, blah, blah. I don't really have one. And it's just because I've never focused on thinking about it. I'm a little hypocritical about this because I always say that I'm the same thing where I don't like celebrities, I don't like actors, any of that. But then I see Ryan Reynolds do something and I'm like, oh, I love that dude. I want to be best friends with him. Like, I can't help it. That's different. That's just acknowledging that he's a really cool dude or actor. That doesn't mean you're following, or you probably are, but you know what I mean? You're not following everything he does. I have no clue what he's doing. I just enjoy, like, I see him, like, in a, like a commercial. His commercials crack me the fuck up. Oh, my God. He's so funny. And that's because he is he's amazing and especially that little kid now that's like his prodigy or whatever i have no idea what you're Persian. talking about but yeah oh Persian. man have you not seen the movie where he has like a kid in the future oh no i saw like half of it and i loved it i had to turn it off for some reason i thought it was great well that little kid is now going to be percy jackson 
Ooh, I loved those books. I thought the movies were so, so bad. <laughs> they were so terrible. You know what, though? That's probably a really good example of the conversation we're having. That little kid, if you watch his interviews, you can tell he has been influenced by Deadpool Ryan thing, because right? they have the same exact humor. It's the, well, so I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because that was the one where they're in the car and, um, and he's like, he's like quoting Deadpool, like word for word for word, all of it, like for but five minutes. Kid, but that's a great example, though. The kid probably wants to be like Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. So, of course, he's going to copy the mannerisms. He's going to copy the funny sarcasm. I mean, he's copied the curse words. Yeah, that's true. How old is it's that It's a kid? great example. And I don't think there's anything wrong with people liking or being influenced by celebrities or famous people or whatever. Because if that's what you're aspiring to be, lock on it. Load up. Do it. It's never been my thing. So what if you get a guy like Andrew Tate who comes along and gets super famous and then he's telling all these young kids all these horrible things to do? I think, one, I think that's on the parents. I don't think that a child should have full control over their, like, search or phone or YouTube. I'm sorry, I don't. I do think that's on the parents. If you're letting your kid get influenced, that's on you. Second. Ooh, I don't know about that. I do believe it. Mm -hmm. I have, like... I don't know, man. There's probably 10 kids in my family. Yeah. And it's really interesting seeing how differently all of them are being erased. I have one that's never going to have a phone until he's 15. Wow. And I have another one that's four and already has an iPad. And they're completely different kids. Sure. I bet one has a much larger attention span than the other. Um, One is definitely a little bit more crazy than the other. Yeah. But... I, it, it's on the parents, you know? So, like, when my cousin complains that her child's being an idiot, I'm like, well, he's watching idiotic things on YouTube. He's going to copy it. Well, you emulate whatever you surround yourself with. You're not free of that as an adult, adult either. No, but as an adult, you're more conscious of it. Oh, man, I think so many people aren't. Oh, <laughs> I know so many people that just do such poisonous activities every single day. And then they're like, complaining well, like why the why am i not doing anything i feel so unfulfilled and i'm like because you know what you do you come home and do nothing and you do the same thing every weekend like you have no activities outside of your nine to five job and you go home and do something you need stuff you need to do creative things and express yourself and like impact the world in some way it's nuts i think one of the <clears throat> situations at least now with the generations is that it's easy to not <laughs> Yeah, it really is. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's so easy because you just plug in and turn off. And I, I mean, nothing against it. There's days where I come home and I, I really don't want to do anything and I will plug in and absolutely, I don't know, watching like four movies. Is it good for me? Absolutely not. I think everyone's, but, well, everyone's entitled to an off day. Everyone needs it. I make fun of Joey because I don't know how he like consumes as much television as he does and he's still a very productive human being. I have no idea. Like he actually just keeps up with all his shows and does everything he needs to do and operates like an adult. It's I think he has a time machine. It's very strange. It's priorities and it's time management. I, or probably lack of sleep. I don't know. Either way. I make and fun of him for it all the time. Matt and I talked about this. I went to sleep the other day at four in the morning and I felt <laughs> like a grandmother. <laughs> Because the people I were with kept going while I went home. Oh, my God. I don't think I can stay up till 4 a.m. anymore. I I don't think I've ever been able to stay up till 4 a.m. Don't get me wrong. Great time. Mm. No regrets. We love random adventures. But this was on a Monday. 
I'm just glad the world kind of like shuts off at like seven ish. I think it's super. No, not my thing. Well, I, so I mean, like the business world really shuts off around seven. Like, there's plenty of people who push past five. They're like, all right, I'm working until six. Uh, super late email, six thirty, whatever, and it's like six fifty nine. Okay, it's probably your turnoff point. I mean, it's seven. If someone sends if someone sends me an email at like seven thirty or eight, I'm like, what are you doing? Come on, man. Unless you're in like Arizona, then whatever. I don't know. I feel like if there's anything um, generation wise is the boundaries that people build with work. Like the older generation just has less boundaries. The yeah. younger generation might have too many boundaries. I think know? so too. I think about that a lot. Joey brought up the quiet quitting thing before it became such a popular, like a buzzword. And now it's like everyone talked about it and realized, oh, this is a terrible word and we hate this. So we're just not going to deal with it anymore. But it's like a real thing. I think the problem with quiet quitting is it began creating a stigma that you shouldn't do what you're getting paid for and you should be going beyond and above. Yeah. I don't believe in that. I think you should if you have goals that you have in the company, maybe you're aiming for like a promotion or a higher pay, blah, blah. But if you're just a little cog in a little system, like a payphone job, don't go above and beyond. Do your work, go home, you know? I think there are just certain situations where quiet quitting, it doesn't make sense to me. You either are doing your job or you're going above and beyond. There is no such thing as quiet quitting. So this is always tough for me. I've, so, I mean, we see everything under the lens of our own, our own selves. And so whenever I see stuff like this, it's tough for me to imagine someone who just kind of enjoys the, I'm going to get a very strict, rigid schedule and I'm going to be on during those hours and off during them. And I don't want to move up. I don't want to advance. This is how I want my life to be. And I want my off hours to be when I live my life. A lot of people do live like that and they're fine with it. They're perfectly okay with it. It's really tough for me to accept that because I'm kind of like, all right, there's always something more like we've got side projects. We've got stuff going on. We've always got new things. But there's, I don't, I really don't think there's anything wrong as long as you're producing what you need to produce. Like, it's okay. It's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong either. I mean, I, I think I, I have a great example of someone that just decided to never move up. Mm -hmm. My mother is a, or was a manager. She got, she got promoted, but my mother was a manager at a bank and there was a telemarketer who was in her sixties and has been a telemarketer, or not a telemarketer, I'm sorry, a teller. Yeah. She's been a teller since she was like 25. She's never changed her position, never moved up, never did anything. And her favorite thing to say when they would have an annual meeting where you set your goals, my mom would say, what's your goal? To be the best damn teller you have in this company. Yeah. And she's beat it every single time, but she's never moved up. And she would tell my mother very honestly, I don't, I don't want to upgrade. I like my nine to five. I go home and I don't think about you guys. There's... And I think for some people, that's actually really good for their mental health too, because I feel like work, if you're not good at prioritizing yourself, work can take up what should be your mental health or your physical health, because some people do skip their, some people do skip their doctor's appointments and things like that because they're focusing on going to work because they can't take a sick day or a personal day or blah, 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 you know? Yeah, it can destroy you. <clears throat> it can't. So I think it's really good when you set those boundaries with work. And if there's something I've always advocated for, and I know a lot of people don't like it, is I'm a big fan of the corporate world. I like my 830 to 5 job. I do my job. I do it really well. And then I get off and I don't think about it. And I've always had conversations with people like, no, you need to do more. You need to have a side gig. You need to have a side hustle, blah, blah, blah. I don't. I'm very happy in my life. I'm very comfortable. You shouldn't be comfortable. Why?
why do I have to work so hard every day in life when I'm already happy and comfortable? This is, I call myself a 90% capitalist. And the reason is because 90, 90% of me says, yes, absolutely, always push for more. And there's a 10% that says, hey, if you wanna be a bartender for the rest of your life and you enjoy it, you should do that. I'll bet you're really damn good at it. I'll bet you make a lot of people really happy. So why not? Go do it. Go do your thing, go enjoy yourself, whatever. If you don't want any more, that's okay. Just produce, break even, or do a little bit more than that, then you consume. We're kinda at a point now where the 90% capitalist to me is like, you know why prices are rising? No one's fucking producing anything. There is nothing happening. We're low on labor, we're low on stuff. Our imports are definitely higher than our exports. We are in big trouble. And it's just going to get much, everyone's quality of life is going to go down unless we produce some, because there's so much dead weight in the system and so much fat in the money supply. The only way to fix that is for everyone to work a little bit harder. Problem is, that's not gonna happen. So the burden's gonna fall on the 20% of people that are busting their butts to produce stuff, the people who are working in the warehouses or driving the trucks. They're gonna feel it the worst. But then you go back to the rest and you're like, hey, it's also totally fine if you just enjoy it because life is short and we could all die at any second, right? Whatever. I just feel if you are always working towards something when you get to enjoy what you already worked for. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think um, we all suck at enjoying our time. That's, it's like, it's like a really terrible thing. Yeah, okay, I know you're pointing at me, but like, and I'm definitely probably just talking out my butt here, but it does feel like a lot no, of people. No, I don't think you are. I think you are speaking for a majority. I don't of know. If the like, country. Well, if I'm out with a lot of people, everyone's like, everyone's always like, oh my God, like we have to do this. We have to, we have to have more drinks. We have to go here. We have to see this event. And I'm like, why? Why can't we sit and be in a circle and just enjoy each other's presence on our time in which we're not doing anything? Like, why not? <laughs> it sounds like fun to me. We don't have to cram I think, everything. I think that can be a hit or miss. Why? I mean, like you said, life is short. Super. Why do you want to sit in one spot for four hours when you can go hit one spot every hour? Is that a lot of work? Of course it is. But I'm 25. I have no children. I have no responsibilities. And if my friends want to go out till four in the morning, I'll give it to myself once in the blue moon, you know? So I don't know. I feel like it's... If there's anything, it's just enjoy your life, enjoy your time, let the spontaneous things happen. Just make sure you're managing what need, you're managing your time so what needs to be done gets done before you go do the stupid stuff. It's no doubt. I'm not calling it stupid. I just mean if you can't if you can't sit in a quiet room and be happy, then you're probably not happy doing the other things. It's probably just a band-aid. Like you're not actually happy. Oh yeah, for sure. No. It's like I a agree tough pill to swallow. And a lot of people just kind of pile activities on. I'm like, well, I don't know. So I mean, have you, if you've ever like sat in a room and just like set a timer and done nothing for five minutes, it's really maddening for about three of them. And then the last two are euphoric. They're amazing. You're like, I don't want this to end. Like, this is the best thing ever. No one's calling me. Like no one, there's nothing anyone can do to touch me right now. This is amazing. I think one of my favorite things to do, and if, a li if someone listening judges me, just try it out. Um, when I get really overwhelmed, I will literally lay on my rug and just chill. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I think that's a wonderful thing. I think more people should try it. Is it probably funny looking? Of course it is. And if you work in an office, maybe don't do it. But if you're working from home, 
Lay on your rug. You know, it, it Don't wouldn't... Don't lay on your bed. You're going to fall asleep. Lay on the rug. But it wouldn't have been funny looking, I think, 30 years ago. I think it's only funny looking now that we've had the opportunity to take funny videos of it and make fun of it. No, I would have laughed at someone 30 years ago if I was in an office and next to me they just laid on the ground. Oh, in an office, yeah. But I mean, like, anywhere else. Like, So if you're out oh. at a park, you see someone just, like, in the grass looking up at the sky enjoying themselves. You're not going to make fun of them, right? No, that's me. Yeah. Why can't you do that other places? Why not? Because there's a time and place for everything. That's a Pokemon quote. Fun fact. <laughs> it is a, it is a, what is his name? Professor Oak or something like that. It's a time and place for everything, but not now. <laughs> exactly. Who's not that? now. I quoted Yoda in one of my Substack articles. I thought it was really funny. And I was like, I'm just going to slip this in here and see if anyone notices. <laughs> I didn't, which means I'll have to go reread one. I haven't published any in so flipping long. I've, I'm cursed. I've been talking to Ed Rooster on Twitter so much recently, and I like the guy a lot. And I actually really want to have him on here at some point. I'm going to pop the question soon. But I think he's a terrific writer, and he's actually a good speaker. I listened to something he did, and I was really surprised. I think people I usually either write well or speak well. You almost never do both. I think I'm a better speaker yeah. than a writer. And... Um, one of the things I definitely want to ask him is like, it, whenever I write something, I put it down and then I look at it a day later and I'm like, oh, this is trash. I don't like, I don't agree with anything because I've already processed it in my brain. I'm like, nothing about this is new to me, but maybe it's new to someone else. And I have asked him about that before and he's like, man, I, I really don't have a good answer. You basically just kind of do it. Like you just go for it. And if you don't, you'll never will. I think if there's one thing I love about writing and this is, this is something that I tell anyone that, you know, maybe they're in the mood to start their own blog or something. Mm -hmm. Your perspective will always be a little slightly different than everyone else. Sure. Because everyone either grew up differently or got influenced differently, et cetera. And I think that's very valuable because there might be that one sentence there that can click something for someone else. Yeah. Change the Even idea. if it didn't click for the hundred other readers. So, you know, there's like a massive overflow of podcasts and blogs and people writing and it's yes. something that's it's made fun of all the time because everyone's like, oh, yeah, I mean, you're it's just everyone, every, every normal looking white dude has a podcast, which is true and funny. And what I think there is a shortage of and what makes some of this valuable and part of the reason why I enjoy this so much is there's a shortage of people who do those things, who write and record just for the sake of doing it and just because it's something they're interested in and because like what we're doing now, this gives me an opportunity just to have a conversation and dig deep into some random shit that I've been thinking about. It's not to gain popularity. I don't make any money off this and I don't want to. I don't care. It's just fun. No, I completely agree. And then funny enough, sometimes the people that do things just because it's either an interest of theirs or it's fun, they usually end up more successful than the ones that go in focused on the money. I know you don't like Rogan, but yeah, that's his whole thing. He's like, hey, I, I, I know you don't like him at all, and that's perfectly fine. I like the guy, but it's fine, it's fine, no big deal, whatever. But that's like his whole thing is he's like, look, I don't I don't give a shit. I actually just want to like, I, I'm, I'm curious and I have questions, and I want to talk to people who may have the answers. I don't give a fuck about the money. And I'm like, that's, that's the only way to do it. You can hate him. That's fine. That's, that's the I don't hate the man. I really don't. It's, I just... Yeah. His... What is it? Is it a podcast? It's like a V pod. It's like a video podcast, though, right? Yeah, and for some reason, it doesn't. It like Spotify. It freezes it up, which I hate. I wish it was just audio, but that's right. my own personal gripe. I have nothing against the man. I just 
you know, I do have a few things against the man. I just like hands, hands, his voice at this point after hearing him every single morning for two years straight. Yeah, but you'd hate that And there for would anyone. be so many times where I worked with another female coworker and we had a, our desk next to one another and the person listening was our male boss. And he would listen to it every single morning. I guess it was like his routine. Yeah. And there would be moments where we would look at each other and we're like, everything about this man's personality makes sense if this is who's influencing him. So he, sp he smokes a lot of weed when he does this. <laughs> I mean, like, My boss probably should have been smoking weed. And if he ever hears this, I still believe you should. You got to go in with that mindset. You're like, the man's, the man's drinking and smoking and he's just asking questions. Like this is, there's, there's no... There's no hidden message here. Like, it's just like, hey, I'm an idiot and I like these things and I'm curious. Let's figure it out. Right. Yeah. And I guess you can kind of pinpoint that to almost anyone that does a podcast now. Sure. It's really just people that have questions. Yeah. Usually they're doing it with their friends and they're just like, let's talk about it. Dude, I've been saying that. Someone's like, oh, feel good finance. You must talk about money. And I'm like, no, technically the deeper question is like, how do we allocate our resources and everything in the world and what actually matters to people because money is value. And then we can go down to that rabbit hole, but I don't want to do that. It's really just the reason for me to hang out with you guys and talk about stuff, I, figure things out. One of the best things is, yeah, we don't talk about money. We really don't, but we talk about the <laughs> things that drive money. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. We talk about marketing, we talk about the backgrounds in science, we talk about the backgrounds in cars, we talk about what people are looking for that they are willing to spend money on right. or want to. Right. That's because I will still never spend money on a Tesla. Let me tell you something, the marketing, I can see why people spend money on it. It makes sense. Yeah, that's my thing. Someone's like someone's like, You didn't give me any stock picks. I'm like, it's because it's fucking made up and I would <laughs> I would break break down the whole system and simplify it if I could. It's broken. Let's talk about what's actually driving this machine. <laughs> the stock I was okay. There was I was listening to a podcast and it's just so funny that you mentioned stock picks because mm -hmm. that's what the conversation was about. I can't even remember what podcast it was, but it was a woman talking about how she had gone into investments with no clue what to do. And I laughed because this was exactly what I did. And she said, I just bought the stocks that I wanted yep. that I thought were interesting that I used in my everyday life. And that's how she has made thousands and thousands of dollars. Do you remember when I told you to do that? Look, she went all in. Yeah, <laughs> which I wouldn't now. recommend doing. <laughs> would not recommend doing that. I did not go all in. And I'm still very happy with my stocks. Yeah, you always, always piss me off because like I'm I, I've got all my series licenses and like I've got this very well balanced portfolio it does everything right. And then I, you'd be like, hey, I've got some questions. And then we take a look at yours. And I'm like, you're up 50 percent on everything you bought. What the heck? <laughs> Your biggest problem is you're going to owe the government a bunch of taxes because you made too much money. <laughs> mm, hopefully not, because yeah. fingers crossed, knock on wood, you know, we're going to. We're going to hopefully knock that out. Although the only things promised in life are death and taxes. But Indeed. Um, I think when it comes to like stock picks, when people are like, oh, what stock should I buy? I can't tell you. Buy something you're interested in. Buy something that your money's probably going to go back into and see how it goes. You can sell it. Dude, I've got three pieces of advice for you. And this is financial advice that you can bet on. So literally just do this. Buy a diverse, buy the entire market. That's it. That's it. Buy an index fund. That is the entire market. And every single month when you get paid, reinvest it. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's down. I don't care if it's up. Reinvest into it. 
you do that over a long enough period of time, you're gonna be great. Here's my second piece of advice. Go ask your mother what products she buys on a daily basis. Buy those companies. They're probably gonna do great because your mother knows best in many things, including financial world, even if she doesn't know a goddamn thing about the stock market. And the third one, relax. Don't listen to anyone on the internet. That's it. I get that I'm on the internet. Don't listen to anyone on the internet. It's just bad I think idea. one of my favorite investments was I looked at cleaning companies. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Clorox, amazing. Yeah, like, they may be ethically bad, but people keep buying them. I focus on things that I know people are going to buy even during a pandemic. Yeah. Because at least... I know if it goes down, it won't go as down as a cruise line. Sure. The cruise lines are always interesting, too, because like entertainment's always something to go first whenever everything hits the fan. Um, I have a very good friend who you know who I've been trying to desperately to get on here. He would be so interesting. I even told him he could remain unnamed. I'll tell you after. Uh, no, you're, I, I, I know what you're pointing to, but no. Um, either way... He's got this great saying. So his family operated a business that has done incredibly well. And it was a very it was a very cash based business. So he dealt with a lot of folks that panicked whenever there was any kind of movement. And he basically said, look, there's one thing I'll always bet on every time. People are always going to want guns, gold, ammunition and tobacco. That's it. Those are things that and liquor. They're always going to want those things no matter what. If you bet on those things, you'll be fine, especially in a, like whenever we go down in a recession or anything like that. That holds up pretty darn well, usually. Yeah, I believe that. I think you just have to kind of think of what's always going to be there. Yeah. Have you heard of the BAD ETF? I don't know if I told you guys about that. Which one? It's BAD is the ticker. Uh, it's a, it's, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an index fund or a, <clears throat> an exchange-traded fund ETF. And so it's one of these big baskets of companies that you can buy into. So you're not buying the individual. You're buying a, a group of them. And this, is, this was designed by a bunch of the younger guys on Wall Street who are kind of inheriting that world now. Very interesting. I follow most of them on Twitter. They're hilarious and total psychopaths. So they built this um, exchange-traded fund. And it's invested in three types of things. One, drugs. Two, alcohol. Three, gambling. <laughs> it's it's called like the anti um, e, the anti ESG fund, something like that. They're, they're they're going for basically, hey, this is totally against everything ethically and governance wise, but we fully believe in it. I disclaimer, I do own a bunch of shares. I just think it's funny. I don't. I have no clue if it's a good investment or not. I'm not advising you to buy it or not. I don't. I don't have any opinion on it. It's just interesting that we're in this psychotic world where you can build something like that now. And it's publicly available to literally everyone. I think that's another interesting aspect of investing now. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of options. Tons. And how Too you many. choose to invest. Yeah. You can invest. And this is like, and I'm, I'm speaking digitally invest. I'm not talking about people that buy paintings and commercial investment. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I'm talking about like the digital aspect where people buy these really weird artworks. Um, what's that called? Oh my God. Masterworks. So NFTs. Oh, oh, oh yeah. That's a different world. <laughs> that's a, whole a different, different world. world. But it's a form of investment, right? Uh, you could maybe. I never, it. I never got into it. I don't think I'd call it an investment. 
it is you sell it and you're hoping you're gonna make back what you put in plus more right like it's, that person that bought that really ugly monkey painting and then it depreciated ridiculously and i was like why are you surprised a thing is only worth what someone else will pay for it that's all i have to say exactly that's all I have and to i say. feel like when it comes to investing if you're investing in things that people are creating and it's not a company do your research be a little bit more careful because you can you know what home depot is when you invest in home depot you know what you're investing in if you're investing in an etf that was created by a bunch of kids or not kids but you know what i mean was created by some people maybe do some research on it before you throw your money in there even though money will always come back there's a lot of layers to that so the i think it's worth <clears throat> it's worth talking about the history of why the heck investors matter in the first place but i vote we take a half time real quick because i'd like to get another drink all right, deal. Be back in two. All right, we're back. Sorry about that. So what I was saying was the original purpose, because a lot of people say, well, what the heck, like why do investors matter? And it's just kind of like this stupid rigged game in which the people up top win and the people down low lose. And I'm like, okay, fine. I see where you're saying that. So the original point of the investor was you had someone who's already made their money. They already built their company. They produced a good or a service way back in the day before the internet. And they made their fortunes. They have their estate and they have someone come to them and say, Hey, look, I need, I need some money because I want to create, I want to, I want to get these goods or create this service. And I need, I need something to get me started. And the old guy or old gal says, Hey, I see something in you. I'm going to give you this big old chunk of cash and you're going to come back and return more after you've created value from nothing with this. You've literally made a good thing from nothing. So that went really well, as we've seen, because the world is still existing and running pretty well. And people who made good decisions and bet on good things and intelligent folks who actually run non-fraudulent, well-done companies made their return. Now we're kind of at a point where you're like, all right, uh, the money doesn't make sense. The people don't make sense. The internet doesn't make any sense. What the heck are we doing? So that's why having I don't. Having a great time. <laughs> yeah, we're just having fun while we can. <laughs> I think the internet itself <clears throat> just gave us the internet and technology, obviously, but we're just we're very creative people, and when people find these niche interests that they go crazy for, it's kind of interesting what they can make up and work with. And yeah, sometimes it's a good thing, bad thing. I'm not gonna lie, I do like ETF. Like ETFs have done me very well in my in my stock, um, but I researched very, them before. Those are they were at least recommended by someone I trusted. Sure. Do you think we are emotionally equipped to handle the internet? This is something I ask everyone. No, not at all, and that's why I think that you should always be mindful of how much time you spend on it. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think one one hundred percent we're not evolved enough for it. Like we're our brains just cannot handle the juice that it gets from looking at that little screen. I do find it interesting and maybe it will end up being a study one day. I want to see the difference between children that partake in this from like the years of one to 25 compared to someone like me who didn't really, I don't even think I had a laptop until I was like 16. Yeah. 
and I had a phone. I had a phone when I was eight, but it wasn't a real phone. It was like a Firefly where it had like 10 contacts that your mother put in there. Right. <laughs> it didn't even have like numbers. It wasn't a smartphone. Like it wasn't an iPhone. Right. So maybe it's, I feel like maybe technology can be overwhelming for us because, or not us in general, but like for me, it can be overwhelming because I'm not, I wasn't raised into it or used to it. Sometimes I wonder if like, my little cousin who's six, who the little girls never off her phone. I mean, she can do more than I can half the time. Yeah. I wonder how her experience is going to be growing up when it comes to technology or just influence in life. Because she's six years old, but she talks like she's 10. And then she reads like she's 12. And she's like on, um, you know how TikTok is like a for you page? Mm-hmm. She's like on book talk. And I'm constantly trying to <laughs> regulate what's on the For You page. Because I'm like, you can't read that book. That's like for me. Like, you cannot read this. This is a chilly, spicy book. No, no, no. No Game of Thrones. No Game of Thrones. No. <laughs> I'm not going to say the other spicy books I read. Anyways. Um, Don't call yourself out. That's a smart move. I appreciate that. Not going to call myself out. But it's something to think about. These little kids have access to so much technology already. And I'm like, I'm so curious to see how that's going to affect them in the long run, whether it's going to make them smarter than our generation because they've had so much information in their hands already, or if it's going to make them dumber because they rely on it so heavily. I think it makes they them don't smarter. even think to like resonate with the information they're taking in. I think it makes them think faster. I think we're going to hit the point where, and I guess it's probably the one generation away. It's probably like 10, 15 years later, we're going to look back and we're going to be in our thirties and forties for our generation. So we're going to be like like the mature height of our earning years. And we're going to look back at the, gen- the next generation and we're going to do exactly what our parents did. We're going to say, God, these kids are so screwed. I can't believe they're so reliant on technology. And they're going to think twice as fast as we are. They're going to get a problem and just solve it immediately. No problem. They're going to be like supercomputers. Yes and no. They won't have the attention spans and they're not going to have the social skills, but they're going to be smart oh, as will- fuck. Well, no, I think they'll have the social skills because oh, if there's so. anything that the online world has really done is broaden everyone's communications. Not in person. I mean, now you're aware of anything that's happening in Europe and Africa and India and Asia. You know, you have more awareness of what's happening. The only situation, and this is something that I remember when I was a journalism major, we even talked about, is how much information is too much to the point where the information doesn't even make sense anymore. I I mean, this is such a morbid example, but school shootings. Yeah. They happen all the time, and we forget about them in two weeks. Yeah. Except for the people that it directly affected, of course, or the city that it occurred in. But everyone else doesn't even think about it. These little kids, they're hearing about school, you know, school shootings all the time to the point where they expect it to happen when they go to school. They're numb to it. Exactly. So I think my only concern has always been with the intake of how much media you can handle before it doesn't even affect you how it should how should it affect you though because as it should affect you in the way that the reader is trying to convey if you're reading an article that's trying to convey emotions for drama maybe sadness again like a morbid thing like a shooting and you're just reading it nonchalant like "Mm, it's another one i feel like you've already gone past a certain point of empathy at least to an extent to a point where I mean, I know that there's school shootings happening. I don't want to put my kids in the school when I have them, but I can't really tell you the names of any any of the schools except the most recent one. 
But think about human history, like adaptability is the only thing that's kept us alive. So in the past, if you're in a if you're in a village and the neighboring village comes over and conquers yours, they're going to murder everyone in front of you. Like it's it's brutal, but it's it's there. It happened. It it has happened in history and it's there. There's nothing you can do about yeah. it. And they're going to rape and kill everyone. <laughs> that is it. And the kids were just expected to like, hey, now obey the rules and become a part of this tribe. That's terrible. <laughs> it is so messed it up. It is, but they, they reacted what we think was correct in the sense that they were scared, they were traumatized, they were sad. I would be too. That doesn't happen now. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, in some parts of the world. Well, it happens to either people that aren't getting the same amount of news as we do, which let's be honest, America and Europe, I... Honestly, I'm not too much aware of Asia and Africa's um, news content, but I know that America and Europe is like, it is overexposed. We're there over-news. is news every second yeah. of something happening. Yeah. That's my favorite story is like the British broadcasting channel. And I think it was like the 20s or 30s. Whenever they came on the radio, it was like old ham radio, basically. And said, there is no news. And they played piano for three hours. And that was it. That was the news for the night. Why can't we do that? One of the- Things that really ruined, at least, you know what, this isn't opinion. This is all opinion, obviously. Mm-hmm. But this is my opinion. One of the things that I think really ruined the news was 24-7 news. Ooh, I agree. I totally agree. It ruined the urgency aspect. Yeah. It ruined the surprise aspect because if it happened, you usually found out that second. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it started taking away from the emotional aspect because if you're seeing something so often, it's not going to give you the same effect it did the first time, obviously, or even the adapt. second or third. Immediately adapt. And the question is, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing for community? So how many how many old people do you know? It's like old, I want to, I'll define old, I guess, as like out of your working years because I know that's no longer like a set number. It used to be, you know, 65 retirement age. That doesn't exist anymore. There's still people working well into their 70s. So someone who's out of their working years, who is in their retirement, not doing anything. How many of those people do you know that literally sit in front of a news channel all day and freak out about everything comes across the screen? My grandmother. I know like a, a solid handful of them and they're always freaking out about something. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why, why are you freaking out? You're, you're supposed to be enjoying these years of your life. And instead you're just consuming this bullshit content. If there's anything I've been very proud of is my success in getting my grandma into sports because now she does not watch the news as often. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. You should absolutely I, stay away from big media all the time. To be fair i know that the news is meant to obviously report everything it's reporting one second there's like cops passing by my house i don't know i can't hear it you're good yeah um so again i understand that the news is reporting what they they believe they should be reporting right Right. because everything is going to be reported to them of course and you don't want as news cast you don't want to be able to select what you think is more important than something else because one murder shouldn't be more important than another murder but it does get to a point where it's like is there this many murders or or are we just you know i try to think about it from the news side because i have a couple i have a couple friends that work in uh local news stations nothing big and their their big things are like hey number one 
we want to be the good guys. And I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. You're not, but like, I totally get it. That's fine. And the other one is, sorry, excuse me if you work in the news, but you're not the good guys right now. Independent journalism's the shit. And um, then on the other side, you've got, you've got some kind of financial department behind you that says, hey, we need more views. We need more money. We need more of this because we're a business and we have to grow. Quarter after quarter, we have to grow or we're dying, which is this stupid narrative that we've developed, which I hate. Matt and, I've, Matt and I could literally go on for hours about this, about how dumb it is that a business has to grow every single quarter. It just doesn't. There's ebbs and flows, cycles, peaks and troughs, whatever. So they get that pressure coming down of, hey, you need to generate more views. Well, I can't control that. I just report correctly what's happening. Well, we need you to like, you know, embellish a little bit. I don't really want to do that. You have to do it or you're fired. Okay, I'll do that. Well, we're still not getting enough views. What do you have to do? Well, maybe like, I don't know, like dig into some pop culture stuff and dig that up and make it a little, then then clickbait emerges. And you're like, what the heck do we do with this? This is garbage. Clickbait is a waste of everyone's time. I think something really, and it's exactly to the point that you're saying that these they're new stations, but they're also companies, yeah. right? They have so to make course, a profit. Of course, there's some form of quota they have to meet. Yeah. So, for example, I, I can't remember what new station it was, but um, there's a person I follow on Insta- on Twitter that she works for a new station in New York. Not a new station. She works for a newspaper. And they sent her out to do a poll and article on the fares for the stations. You know how so many people jump it and skip it. They don't pay. Yep. The poll came out that no one cared. No one cares. But when she went back to the office and reported this, they said, that's not what we asked for. Right, right. They have to report something. Because the problem is that's not what their narrative, that's not what they were hoping their narrative would be. And that's the problem. So many of these news stations, they forget that they're supposed to be reporting real news, that they're focused on the financial gains or they're focused on the popularity gains that I feel like a lot of them forget their main goal. And that's why news is dying. I mean, newspapers aren't a thing anymore because no one really reads them anymore unless you do the New York Times or um, there's another one that does their subscription, I can't remember. Wall Street Journal? Yes. They do that. They do the subscription. So like there are some form of news outlets out there, but I don't think any of them, and I mean this wholeheartedly, not Fox, not New York, none of these places, have real news anymore. They all have news that is focused on gaining traction, on gaining money, and on gaining views. And I completely get that because above everything else, they're a business that has to run. But don't call yourself a news station. You're an entertainment station. Five years ago, the Wall Street Journal looked a lot different than it did today, which kind of sucks. I mean, that was when I first started reading it, and I don't read it anymore because you open it up in the front page and the whole next three scrolls down is all political news. And you're like, all right, I mean, I guess technically this does matter, but like this is not what I want to see. The funny thing is the opinion pieces, which I used to hate because they're so they're either so skewed to one wing or another or they're just so narrowed down on something you don't care about. The opinion piece is the only things that actually seem informative anymore, which is ridiculous. It's so backwards. I think it's because the opinion section has a little bit more leniency in their honesty. Mm -hmm. They have a following. That's why. Yeah. The individual authors. I mean, a perfect, and I know I keep saying the New York Times, but it's because when I was little, I wanted to write for them. It's the world's, America's oldest, something or other. Everyone wanted to work for the New York Times, blah, blah. In like the past, it's not even a decade. In like the past five years, they have completely restructured the kind of news that they report 
to the fact that I don't feel like it's real reporting. Like they used to get awards for the kind of real journalistic imp- re- like yeah. reporting they used to do. And now I can read about the Kim Kardashians, which I could just go do on Twitter. We also have a mutual friend who worked in journalism for a little bit and he had the same sentiment and he quit and he was like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like they don't, they don't actually care about the real issues. They just want to do the stupid pop culture stuff. So I was, do you like the old, I say old, do you like the Spider-Man movies? Like the three Spider-Man movies from the early 2000s? The original news and they had like the whole, with the day. Oh my God. Yes. I love them. Yeah. They're terrific. And so like my favorite scenes are when he comes in and he's like, Mr. James, J. Jonah Jameson or whatever his name, Jonah J. Jameson. I don't know how you pronounce it, but he comes in and he's like, he's like, Mr. Jameson, like I've got this, this wonderful piece on like police corruption and it's going to blow the whole thing up. And he's like, I don't care of a shit about that. I want pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> I think about that every time. I'm like, that's what it is. <laughs> it's just, if you want to stick to the superhero thing, yeah. even Daredevil. Uh, I, I still haven't seen that show. Well, okay. For the people that do watch it mm-hmm. in Daredevil, there's this whole story. Um, I, he's a lawyer. I think it's only he? like the first or second season, but He's a lawyer, but his assistant was trying to be a news reporter before she became his assistant. Mm-hmm. Or not a news reporter. I think she just got caught up in like some stuff and ended up working with the news reporter. And I used to laugh because I was like, oh, that's so backwards. Like that would never happen. They would obviously report the news. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. It wouldn't get them views and it would probably put them against the city because sometimes the news the news breaks things. Yep. Whether it's, it breaks the community or it breaks a business or it breaks a person. And it, as someone who's running a business because that is what the news is it can be scary i think to be the one that launches that article it can be amazing it could be real journalistic writing but i think that's why private journalism has become such a popular thing with people creating blogs and newsletters and etc because they don't have someone breathing down their neck saying that's going to get the company you know in the dirt because it won't it's one person they yeah. might die if they're getting a little too close to something crazy. But besides that, they have a lot more open options when it comes to what they can report and get away with. You have to be bold to be a private reporter nowadays, if only for social media. That's what I've noticed is you're going to get immediate feedback. And no matter what you say, someone's going to hate it and they're going to let you know. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, no, there isn't. If you're not getting feedback from both sides and you're not getting positive I don't think and negative. You can be a journalist without being prepared to get dumped on. You have to. You absolutely have to. I mean, that was one of my things whenever I started writing on Substack. I was like, man, I really don't want to hear any negativity. And to be honest, I haven't yet, which is nice. But that's probably, I mean, if you're not getting a little bit of pushback in your ideas, you're not actually growing. If you're reporting the news and someone's not mad at you, you're doing a very bad job. So I know a lot of the entrepreneurship bros that I like on Twitter, they all say that too. They're like, we actually, we, I mean, we get fuel from that because Twitter's a beautiful place, if only because you get immediate feedback. And no matter, you're going to get, because I mean, it's only going to be up there once. And the way that the algorithm works is that if you've tweeted it within 24 hours, it's gone. It's, it's, base, it's not actually gone, but it's basically in the dumpster behind you. And there's other stuff happening because they want to put the newest stuff in front of you. So once it's there, you're going to get immediate feedback from the community saying, hey, look, here's how we feel about this. Okay, all right, put out something new. Bye. That's it. And so they, they kind of like that. They're like, hey, if we have an idea, we can basically throw it up on the dartboard and 
get people saying if they love it, hate it, what do they think? Here's a new idea. Here you go. That's free. It's a crazy concept. We've never had that in history. I love that. That's also why I like Twitter. Very it's like having a focus group, but everyone's in the focus group. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Twitter's fun for me. Like if I have like a thought, I'll usually like, or I like, I like to be the comment guy and everyone makes fun of the comment guy, but I'll go under it and I'll basically just put together like, Hey, like I was thinking about this. What do you think about this? And usually you're almost always going to get two to three comments back. And it's either going to be people agreeing with you, disagreeing with you or suggesting something completely alternative. And so you learn something either way. It's really neat. I love it. So, I mean, I'm plugged into a few of these little communities and just like little accounts where they've got big followings. It's fun. It's so much fun. I love it. Funny enough, I did make fun of them earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the Reddit people. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Reddit's a crazy I place. I love Reddit. Yeah. I am on so many random communities. It's a deep Just place. because I will find one interesting post and I'm like, I feel like I gained so much knowledge from this. I'm going to join. Reddit's a piece of the internet I have not, I, I've tried to go down into a few times. And we, I know as my roommates and I, for fun, have posted a couple of things on Reddit and gotten some crazy responses. It's a wild place on the internet. I think if there's anything I really enjoyed about the internet, is there's just so much you can find, yeah. whether it's relevant to you or not. It's infinite. There's so many things out there that you can find relevancy for you mm-hmm. if it's something new. Maybe it catches your interest. I love the world. Like, have you ever tried um, that website Stumble Upon? No, no, but I know what it is. Highly recommend if you're ever like bored because you'll find a lot of random things, literally, but you will surprisingly see how much is out there that you would have never come across because, like we spoke about earlier, there are thousands of podcasts and blogs and websites out there that we don't have the time to go through and find the good ones or at least you know the ones that are actually going to be useful and i laugh and me and matt have laughed at this before at the people that make the threads on twitter like the top 15 books you need to read Mm -hmm. blah 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 i do make fun of them i do i still look at it though because we're in a world where people are publishing every single day and we are thankfully in the world with technology where you can publish your own book from home, you don't need a publisher anymore. So now how does that book get the marketing it deserves if it doesn't have a team doing it? Things like StumbleUpon, Reddit, social media that promote it for it. There's enough, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the internet. Well, there's enough content created every day that you could spend the rest of your life looking at it and you still wouldn't get through all of it. So how do you navigate that? You navigate it by your interest. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to use the algorithm to your advantage. So I tried yeah. to, I mean, my, uh, the algorithm, I have such a weird relationship with the algorithm because I mean, my Instagram is, do I? Considering my work, I hate the algorithm. Yeah, I'm sure because you're fighting with it every day. I just use it to please me. Like, I mean, I basically open it up and I'm like, I don't like this. Yeah, send me other stuff. It's not cars or my friends or food or like creative recipes and stuff like things that i'm interested in i have no desire to see it and so i just i'm constantly now fed this cycle of information that is interesting and relevant to me and forces me to consume more it's awful but i enjoy it at least some uh social websites are getting better at it i do enjoy that i can kind of decide what i want to see 
whether it's Reddit asking me for my specific interest or it's Twitter allowing me to like block certain keywords or people, I do like that I can clean up what I see. Mm-hmm. I, I love the internet. I can't even lie on this podcast. I love the internet. Right. I do wish there was a way to clean out the, the crap that doesn't matter. But well, obviously what doesn't matter to me can matter to you and can matter to the next person. Right. I think the internet's like a toolbox. Like you can basically open it up and you can grab whatever you want. You need a hammer, you can grab a hammer. You need a screwdriver, you got a screwdriver. But there's going to be a whole bunch of really interesting stuff in there that you don't know how it works, but you're still going to want to poke it. It's kind of like you don't know what you don't know right. until you need it. Yep. And then all of a sudden you know how it works, which is a wild concept. I don't know. I So, I mean, this is another thing that I always say is like, look, if you don't know something, and I try to train myself to do this better than anyone, you can either ask someone about it, which originally in the old times was the only way to learn about it. You have to pick up the phone or write a letter. And that was how you would figure something out. If, you had, if there was an expert, if you're like, hey, I want to learn microbiology. I don't understand how this works. You would have to go figure out who the leading guy was, guy or gal, and write them a letter or pick up the phone and call them until they answered you and then try to convince them to spend their time with you. Now, you can just get it. <laughs> you can just get it anywhere. It's been recorded. I think the only aspect of that that I don't like, and it's a hit or miss because online does have its own community. Yeah. And I think that if you still find an interest in something, you still should take that step to contact those people. Yes. Because yeah, you can find anything on like the internet now, but it's not going to be the same as getting it from someone that has like instilled this into their life. Information without action is useless. The same passion or same knowledge that you would from someone that just they just know the facts. Right, right. Well, I mean, I think the one of the spices of life is the human interaction thing. Is you're being able to like absorb that from someone else and gain their knowledge. I was writing a piece at some point that I thought was fun. It was I forget what I called it. It was like knowledge. It was like humans as like a as like a source of knowledge or like a store like a like a store of knowledge basically. And so the people that you surround yourself with. Because there is no one person who can just memorize everything. So basically what you want to do is you surround yourself with people that know the stuff that you want to know and that are interested in the stuff that you find interesting and that you enjoy. You just enjoy their personality. And you can basically have this collective brain power of all of you and your whole group that know all the stuff that you want to know. So anytime you need something or you want something, you've got someone that you can just lean on for that information right away. No, I completely agree. And I think there's a, I don't want to say like a benefit because I don't want to make it sound like you're using these people to benefit. Yeah, I agree. But there is a benefit to speaking with someone that's passionate about what you're trying to learn. Right. Now, I'm not saying like just hang out with people that you don't like just because they're smart. That's a huge waste of your time. No, but I definitely see what you're getting. And I think it's important to seek out people that have similar interests too, even if you don't how do i say this i think it's important to seek out people that have different interests obviously because then you're exposing yourself to new things but obviously try and find those people that have the same interest too because then you guys can learn together work off one another etc and back to the internet i think that's one of my favorite things about it is that you can find those communities and i guess it's because the internet people aren't as shy they will talk back and you can maybe find those passionate people that you never would have found in your town Especially if you're from a small town where, you know, no one's going to be in, I don't know, space. And then you're here like alone and everyone's interested in alligators and you're like, what do I do? 
Go on the internet. You'll find a community just for space and make an online friend. I think that's why the cities often have people who are more open-minded than I think the small towns do, because they're just exposed to fewer ideas. It's not a bash. I mean, it's just kind of how it is. I mean, it's personal experience, really. I don't think it's a bash either. I mean, even in Miami, leaving Miami and going away to Fort Myers was a culture shock. Sure, a smaller town. Smaller town. Way less diverse. Huh? Way less diverse. Oh, my gosh. It's a completely different community. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different aesthetic to life. Yep. You know? So small town, big town, it doesn't matter. You're always going to be ignorant of something. 100%. If there's anything the internet can offer is maybe a little bit less ignorance in a certain situation or community or aspect of life, whatever it is you're looking up. I think that's one of the very good things about the internet. It's just finding a way to utilize that right and not letting it suck the life out of you or putting you in a bad place mentally or whatever it is that the internet can do bad. It can make us all smarter or angrier. You let it choose. Or basically. You, you choose, basically. So I know we're running low on time, and I had this really funny sentiment because I, I love studying how the generations change. I just think it's it's fascinating because we're all so ingrained in our own generation, and we think our way is the best way, but everyone thinks that way, so none of us are right. But the Animal Spirits guy, uh, so it's a podcast called Animal Spirits, and I talk about it a lot. Uh, they're wonderful. Ben and Michael are awesome. I love listening to them. They're very smart folks. And um, so one of them was, I think it was Ben was making fun of Michael. Um, he said, uh, he said basically like the younger generations have now kind of surpassed us because I heard in a movie and it was two famous actors, forget who they referenced back and forth. It was BJ Novak and someone else who were like, uh, whenever they agreed with something the other one said, they said, Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. And he's like, Oh, we don't say that. We just say like, right. Or yeah. Like, oh, we're officially old. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. Like I say hundred percent and correct everything. Like those are my two, those are my two things I say when I agree. And it's just, it's crazy to find yourself in the zeitgeist. You're like, Oh God, this is very strange to me. I think it's fun getting old sometimes. Oh, it is fun. Just because I, I have You're a so cousin right aware. now. She's in FSU. She's, um, Oh God, she's going to get mad at me if she hears this. I think she's 19 next month. But I laugh because sometimes when we're on the phone, she'll say like a joke or something. And I'm just like, over my head, babe. I have no clue what that means. It's just because you're old. And I'm like, I am six years older than you. I'm Mm -hmm. not that old. And she's like, you're old. Right. But then I can say something and it will completely go over her head. And I'm like, it's because you're a child. Different experiences. Yeah. But I do think if there's that... Because you did say something, and I don't agree with it. I don't think our generation is the best, just the way I don't think my mom is or my little cousins is. I think if there's one thing that people should learn, especially like if you're someone that thinks my generation is the best, pick up what's the best in other generations and try and bring that into yours. Yeah. I think our generation is crap with money. Yeah, I think we're pretty bad. I think it is. I also think the generation with moms was crap with money. Yep. And that's why we had such a bad 08 year. Funny enough, my little cousin and her generation, they're very interested in handling their money. There are kids that are 18, 17, 16, already in stocks, figuring it out, becoming money people. They get exposed to it early. But I think that's wonderful. And I wish I would have been exposed earlier. They get exposed in an odd way. Because I think a lot of the, Thing, the, a lot of the information that they get pushed is 
is bullshit. It's a lot of people that are just trying to sell courses. And again, if you if you're selling investment advice, you're probably not a good investor. But here's the thing. I like that there's an interest in it either way. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Because it'll eventually lead you to the right path. Right. Yeah, you'll just, I you'll no fail early. I clue about anything in investing until I started college. I didn't even know what that was. Sure. Because my parents didn't do it either. Yeah. yeah at least to an extent, you know? But now with my little cousin, because she's six years younger than me, the second I found out what it was, I had her learning what it was. And then all her friends were figuring it out. And then TikTok came out with all these finance things and blah, blah. I told her not to follow everything, obviously. Yeah, don't listen to But at least it's an interest that she never would have found without the internet. Well, the GFC, which is Great Financial Crisis, is always very interesting to me because there's there's 10 different things that happen to make it happen. And everyone's going to debate all day about what they were and if there's any parallels to now or whatever. You can talk about it all day and it's a waste of your time. It doesn't matter. What's important is that so many people had their first bad experience with that. That is where they absolutely finally felt pain. They had absolute exuberance from the end of the dot-com bubble up until then. They had nothing but gains. And once you feel that pain, you learn. You're like, oh, risk management. And if you don't learn that ever, you'll never do it. So the funny thing is our markets move so goddamn fast these days. And you've got all these crazy crypto people that felt all the pain and the exuberance of the pain again and the exuberance again. And they like they go back and forth. So they're numb to both. They don't really care. And you're like, well, if you don't ever feel the pain, you never learn. But if you never feel the, the hope and the happiness, you never get incentivized to go back in. So what do we do? We're stuck in this weird limbo. It's it's a very strange situation. It makes, and no one knows. The future is going to be cool. I can't wait. I'm interested to see what happens, especially because I feel like, you know how they're always waiting for the market to crash? Everyone is. There's always doomsayers. Right. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, because you're much more into this and you're more knowledgeable on it. If you say so. I don't so. think there's ever going to be a crash again. Ooh. I think we'll see lows and highs. But like a crash, crash, like 08. What is a crash if not a low? Because of technology, it's a much different life and system now. We we talk about this a lot. And in my world, which is the commercial real estate world, is always interesting because it's a lot of old people with old money. And they are going to be waiting for the return to normal forever. I don't think there's ever going to be a return to normal. And I'm not I'm not ever going to agree with you that there's no such thing as no more crashes or anything like that because that's understandable. I, I can't agree. There's, there's a way for humans to screw everything up. But I... Their normal is gone. There is no more normal. Technology absolutely speeds things up and it makes things crazy. And so what you have to do is you adapt or die. That's all it is. And either and I think that we should also keep in mind that new money, it's not like it was in the twenties where like people were like disgusted, like, oh my God, you're new money. Like, ew. Almost everyone is new money now. Even Bezos is new money. He is not old money. That's an interesting concept. I hadn't thought about that. I, um, so those people that are very egotistical about their old money, mm -hmm. they're wavering out. They're not that important anymore because new money, some of these people are very expensive compared to the old money. Well, the money and I do think that's an interesting concept because old money and new money used to be a very big social thing where the new money people were not accepted. It's fun that you bring that up. I'd never, I, I genuinely have never thought about that. And 
it's not something I consider just because I, I'm, I'm very ingrained in the whole money doesn't actually exist. It's a measure of value and a measure of work. And that's all it is. And I think that the majority of our wealth is actually hidden. (laughs) It's just, it's literally just fat in the system hidden in these companies that aren't using it and they're not taking risks. Like the insurance companies are absolutely bloated, full of cash and have nothing to do with it. And everyone's like, well, why am I paying for all this health insurance money if our health system sucks? And I'm like, you shouldn't, you genuinely shouldn't. You should be as upset as I am. (laughs) You should be very angry right now. These people are doing nothing for you, nothing at all. The banking system makes no sense. The brokerage firms are all totally flooded and it's just, it's just such a mess. Oh, banking system. Just a fun fact for any listeners out there. If you're looking for a first home buying, Bank of America just came out with a new loan specific to Hispanic and black communities. So in case anyone's interested, that just came out this year. I'm like 0.01% Cherokee. Does that work? (laughs) No. So actually the way that the new loan works is depending on the location you want to live in, if it reaches a certain maximum of black or Hispanic community, you will get a loan for your housing. And reminder, first home buy doesn't mean it's actually your first home. There's usually a year limit between that that constitutes that's a first home. I think it's like five to seven years or three, maybe, depending on your bank. So keep that in mind. You can be a first time home buyer without actually being a first time home buyer. That is the funniest thing. So there are so many penalties for steering people away from certain neighborhoods, but steering them towards other neighborhoods doesn't actually count as steering away from other neighborhoods because of some social construct. That is so funny to me. That is so strange. It is literally illegal to steer someone away from a minority neighborhood, but by steering them towards a minority neighborhood, are you not steering them away from a non-minority neighborhood? That's No, I think if anything, what it's attempting to do is- Absolutely good intentions. I see that. I think it's, you know, obviously it's going to depend on how you look at it. For a lot of people that live focused in Hispanic and black communities like Miami and Broward, that loan is going to help a lot of people that never would have been able to buy a home. And I'm sure you know a lot of our age is not buying. We're renting. Sure. There's nothing wrong with that though. we're almost going into this nationwide, I don't want to say crisis, but situation where almost everyone is renting because big companies are buying out fixing up and renting out and then raising the pricing of the community because they've made the houses look so much nicer than they were before. Right. So you don't, do you you not see the problem here is if you do this, if you push all this, if you, well, if you push all this money into these neighborhoods, the property taxes go up because the valuations go up. And all of a sudden you've got all these people who are making $30,000 a year that can't afford their own property taxes like that, that you're screwing, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. But if you want to be a home buyer and owner, which for me is a life goal. I never want to rent. I never want to rent. I refuse to rent actually. So loans like that can help me or any other listener who might also be interested. I get. I don't think that counts by the way. I get what you're saying. I just, I've never seen the problem with renting. If you can make a return, if you can make a return higher than what your mortgage rate would be interest rate, you're doing pretty damn good. You know, it's funny. I am a little bit of a hypocrite. I lease my car. I do not finance my car. Same concept. Yes. 
But funny enough, I refuse to rent. So I'm a little bit of a hypocrite when it comes to my money. I will acknowledge that. Although in my head, my car depreciates the second I took it off the lot. Right. Well, you're right about that. But cars are cars move so much faster than homes. I don't think you should worry about that. Like the car prices are crazy. And that's another that's another great instance of just a thing is only worth what someone else will pay for it. So whatever. Well, you also have to remember brand branding. Yeah. And it goes in and out of style. Yeah. Like Jaguars. I don't think Jaguars are worth the money. You should never but buy a Jaguar. But they're Jaguars, so people are going to pay the money. Personal personal preference, never buy a Jaguar unless it's an F-Type. Please, it'll just break down immediately. Personal preference, I think it's a grandpa car. That or a Jeep. I had, um, I had a friend call me the other day, and they're like, oh, man, or no, it was a family member, actually. And she's like, oh, yeah, my Jeep's, or my car has been making a really funny noise. We just took it on, like, a four-hour road trip. And I said, what kind of car is it? She said, Grand Cherokee. And I said, oh, well, that's why. She said, oh, well, no, I've only had it for two years. And I said, no, 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 you're forgetting the the logo on the front, Jeep. That means broken in Spanish. Like, it's it's literally just, like, a direct translation to it's broken. You, you, you bought it broken. It's going to be broken the second you have it forever. Well, I mean, that's like getting a Ford. Understandable as a Ford fan. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> like you can't make fun of your cousin for needing repairs. You own a Ford. Yeah, no, I, and I know what I'm getting. They use my car right now. My car isn't. That is not. That is not a design flaw. That is not a design flaw. That is a human error on someone else's part, not my own. But they do use Microsoft, which is god awful for their technology. It's so bad. Ford made two good decisions this year, all right? I will stand by that. And their only good decisions were not changing anything twice. That was it. That was all I had to do. Don't change anything. No, I think it's an interesting concept when it comes to finance and renting and blah, blah, blah. It's obviously all a personal preference. Mm -hmm. Sure. But I do think it's funny seeing the reasoning behind people's choices. Of course, of course. And you're always influenced by whoever you grew up with and whatever their preference was. Right, exactly. Everything you do, you never really realize. And I laughed about this earlier about the influence, but it is true. You are constantly influenced by little things in your life that already occurred. Yeah. And it's okay. It's okay that you don't have any control over it. All right. I think we're probably time to wrap up. We've been going on for a while, but this was a shitload of fun. Yeah. Great show, friend. I love it. All right. Catch you next week. Hopefully, we'll have everyone back. Bye, everyone.